1: Closing things out on Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak getting into the fan mailbag, one of our favorite parts. Also Inside Black and Gold brought to you by the Lamarck Automotive Complex. There must be a reason. And I'm sure, like you said, as we were closing things out in the second, second Jeff, there's got to be a ton
0: of positive messages in fan mail that we need to read. Yes, yes. All these nice, this nice pile of positivity over here. It's alliterated and everything. And the first question we're going to get to is from Tim. For Benro? Hope I'm saying that right. Do y'all realize we are the number three offense in the NFL with practice squad wide receivers, Taysom and Alvin Kamara. Clearly, clearly the issue is simple. Wake this defense up. And I agree. I mean, the question of Jameis or Randy kind of is independent of the fact that one way or another, the defense has to play better. So it's, it's less about like who you think can win games for you on offense and, you know, more about like the player that you are committed to for the duration of the season, but yes, one way or another, the defense has to play better. You are allowing 28.6 points per game. And while, as I said earlier, 28 points can be erased from that. If you ignore the, the pick sixes in the, in the fumbles for touchdowns, So that number is a little unfair, but at the end of the day, it's you are what the numbers say. (laughs) And right now the numbers say this defense is allowing a lot of points and it's hard to, it's hard to give them a pass in any respect for that, even with all the injuries. Yeah, one guy who's not a practice squad receiver, Chris Olave, who has been that dude,
1: looks every part of, you know, that guy you traded up to get for, been totally worth it, which has been at least a saving grace, huge positive. I know everyone is bitter about not having a pick for next season and the Eagles holding out right now, but man, Chris Olave has been as advertised this season and a huge bright spot for the
0: offense, obviously. I would argue the only bright spot for the offense. <laughs> I mean,
1: seriously, like what I, what I would bright... say Taysom. I mean, you, you were dead on with him being a, a more productive
0: than people thought he was going to be as, as a quote-unquote tight end. Yeah, but I, just because I'm right, doesn't mean that he's been, like, I expected that. Like, this is what I expected from him. I think to be a bright spot, you would be have to be shining above what the expectations were. And maybe my expectations were higher, but like a red zone... Dynamo, who's going to steal all the Alvin Kamara's touchdowns. That's what he is. All of so, them. So sure. I mean, in the sense that he has been productive, fine. But I mean, beyond that, you know, Caesar Ruiz maybe has been a sure. positive thing. You know, he got a lot of grief over his first two seasons. I think he has been excellent um, through the first seven games. He struggled against the Falcons in that opener. And right. we remembered Grady Jarrett, like, blowing him off the ball. But, you know, I think he's he's been good. And so... You know, you look at all these picks and all these first-round picks who might have been disappointing, and, you know, you have still haven't seen Peyton Turner on the field for more than a couple mm-hmm. games at a time. And so at least if you can look back and say, man, okay, well, that first-round pick wasn't a waste, and hopefully this the one from last year can get on the field and be a little better and be more productive, you start to feel a little better about the, you know, young talent that you have on the roster. Um, but, yeah, otherwise, it's it's been the defense that is, that is that is aging, that does not look like it can get the job done. And if that, if that picture is accurate, if that is not a mirage and this defense is just too old and too like a step too slow and just doesn't have it, then yeah, you're in trouble. Definitely. And
1: I, the, the biggest thing we talked about it earlier is their inability to stop the run, which had been such a strength of the unit and what they really hung their hats on, but they,
0: they, They've been getting gashed all year shifting course here. Yes, sir. Fan. 02. Could the saints trade for Jimmy G? Well, not this season because the 49ers aren't trading him. Trey Lance is done for the year and this, the 49ers team just traded for Christian McCaffrey. So they're trying to make the playoffs. Right. Uh, So n- the answer is no, not this upcoming week. In my opinion, I don't know, but is, is that where we're at right
1: now? Where We're asking for Jimmy G to come in because th- is that really an upgrade at quarterback? I, I, that's, that's one I think I've posed to a few people. Would you rather have Jameis Winston or Jimmy Garoppolo as your QB?
0: Yeah, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is very much the Kirk Cousins like mold, like right there, like he's going to win you a good number of games, but he's never going to do anything outstanding. He's 30 years old. You have the book on him. You know what he is. He is going to be a free agent at the end of this season. So if you really wanted to go Jimmy G, you could, you could get in a sure. bidding war for him. You know, he's a league average quarterback in my opinion. Just like Kirk Cousins, you could do worse. But I mean, yeah, right. If if you're looking for a bridge to a young starter, then you might as well stick with the guy who's under contract, which is Jameis Winston. So I I think Jameis Winston's gonna be around next year. It's just gonna be a question of whether you go all in to get a young quarterback um or or you do, do something else. But I just don't think that they're gonna they're gonna pay at the top of the QB market um for anybody.
1: No, and to me, Jimmy G is the furthest thing from an answer. Yes, sir.
0: Fan. Oh, 02 Again, Chris Harris actually played well as DB. I, I disagree. I mean, <laughs> Chris Harris did what he performed admirably. That's what I will say. It is not a situation that you wanted to put Chris Harris in. He is even when he was in his prime, he was a nickel corner, right? Like he wasn't an outside corner. Like that's not how he made his money. Like he should not be playing outside in any context. And so for him to go out there and do what he did, you know, it's hard to hold that against him, but he he's not a guy you want to keep running out there on the outside. I'm sorry. Like if you if he if you're forced to go to him on the he was started six times in that game, he allowed four catches. He was also right. flagged twice. So yeah. where was the yeah. good
1: place? <laughs> right, exactly. And that that to me obviously forget the talk of Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, whoever else, that cornerback situation right now is in dire straits. You know, you got to find out what's going on with Marshawn, Lattimore, Paulson, Adibo. And now Bradley Roby's added to the mix after I think it was like the third play of the game. He ended up going out in Arizona. So that that's going to be one to watch,
0: obviously, this week at practice. Yeah, I think he had an ankle thing. So that's something to watch. I would expect Paulson Debo was close. He practiced all last week. So that was why I was kind of a surprise when he was inactive. But it did explain why Alante Taylor was getting first team reps in practice coming off of injured reserve. And, you know, as Adrian Marquez says here, who else is proud of number 27? You know, I know Dennis Allen is proud of number 27. I know Chris Bouchard is proud of number 27. He, I think he had an excellent game. For perspective, so we said Chris Harris was targeted six times in coverage. He's allowed four catches. Alante Taylor was targeted five times in coverage and allowed one catch, and he was not flagged for a penalty. So, like, you know, that alone, you know, you give him credit. You know, he was thrown in on a a short week. He must have been because you didn't know that Paulson was going to miss. Came off injured reserve. He missed the last four weeks, and he looked. He looked excellent, so I think you're going to continue to see him. But, yeah, there, there are a few bright spots, like we mentioned, Chris Olave, maybe Cesar Ruiz. I think Alante Taylor after that week was one of them for sure.
1: Yeah, definitely on defense. He's been a bright spot for sure, and I know we've talked about this before, obviously, is that the fact of everyone questioning why the Saints were taking a corner in the second round, and it's like, well, you see that now with injuries, plus with what Alante Taylor's been doing, he looks like that guy as well and someone that can contribute in the NFL, not just on special teams, but on the outside
0: of corner. VB Saints Pels Lady says, let's hope DA grows a pair and does something besides take a knee with 40 seconds left to go before the half. I think Dennis Allen isn't as strong a motivator as Sean was. You know, that's, I think that's fair. You know, I I don't know. Um, They definitely haven't looked motivated. (laughs) So... (laughs) you know, I, I, it's tough to make a determination either way, but yeah, I think there was definitely a lot more accountability with Sean and, you know, maybe that's something that you can improve, but yeah, that, that taking a knee with 40 seconds left and two timeouts in the first half. Yeah. I I have a feeling that was against the analytics. Considering you were down two touchdowns at the time, like a field goal there is huge. And the Saints were like, no, no, it's all coming off the rails. We need to get out of Dodge before we make it worse. And that's, Like, you're talking about, like, oh, do you trust your quarterback? <laughs> like, that's not a sign of trust to me. That's one thing I worried about definitely
1: coming into the season. Obviously, Dennis Allen is not the same personality that Sean Payton is, and Payton being a more aggressive, fiery type of person,
0: and maybe to a fall, Dennis Allen seems a lot more laid back. No question. Yes, sir, fan, Oh, two 2 again. When Jameis plays, he forgets about Alvin Kamara. Since Andy has played, he feeds AK the ball, and I love it. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a fair critique. And I think we said this on the last, or I said this on the last episode. It's just like, if you were starting a team today, you would not like handpick the pairing of Jameis Winston and Alvin Kamara. They just, the skill sets don't work together. You know, it's, and it's not about one, like Jameis not being good enough. It's just about what he does and how he kind of operates as a quarterback and checking down to the running back is not high enough on his list of priorities to justify putting him with a premier pass catching running back. Which is crazy because you have that that stud and Alvin Cabrera there. You think it'd be in his brain to feed him the rock more. I mean, I'm sure it is. But at the same time, it's like when you're trying to go deep and you're trying to push the ball down the field, it's hard to kind of make those two things mesh. Um, and, you know, I'm sure he can be better about it. We saw him be better about it in his final full start last year. He threw to Alvin 10 times in that game against Seattle. So, like, he can do it. I just think it's it's uh, it's more about, like kind of fighting his own nature of trying to get it downfield all the time. And if you have to do that, if you're trying to coach something out of someone so that you can incorporate another piece of your offense, it's probably because those two pieces don't necessarily fit that well together. And Alvin can fit with just about anybody. Like it's still going to be good with Jameis and with a guy who might not be targeting the running back as often, but it's not optimal. And that's all I'm saying is AK. Part of the reason AK was so elite is that he had a quarterback who was Elite at getting him the ball and elite at checking down quickly and getting the ball out quickly. And it's just, it's, it's different w- with Jameis in there. And with Andy, it's a little closer, I think, because he's not a guy who's pushing it downfield. So I, I get that criticism and I get that, that, the, the, uh, annoyance there a lot because I get annoyed by it. And I'm sure Alvin gets annoyed by it, even if he's not willing to admit it. Uh, like he knows he should be catching the ball. So yeah, that's if, if, if and when Jameis comes back, I think that how he uses Alvin is going to be a big part of like whether this season can kind of figure itself out.
1: Yeah. It was one thing when we spoke to Camaro recently and he had these glowing things to say about Andy Dalton and being so approachable and able to talk to definitely made your ears perk up. And I was like, wait a minute, is he, is he speaking on Jameis or is this kind of, is it a breeze thing? What I was wondering, but the, the lack of getting, you know, enough attention or enough, play in this offense when Jameis Winston is that quarterback is certainly a thing for Camara. And is uh to me, you know, obviously unexcusable when you got a guy like that, that is your top offensive weapon
0: for sure right now uh, with Michael Thomas, not in the mix. Well, I mean, I will say it's not only whether it's a Jameis or a breeze thing, it could be a Teddy thing. It could be a Taysom thing. It could be a Trevor thing. It could be an Ian thing, right? There's there's plenty of guys you can look at and be like, well, maybe he was referring to them. So you know, I, I I, I don't think that – I think Alvin's a savvy enough person that he, he – and I think I said this previously, he wouldn't have said that if he was referring to Jameis because he knows better than that um, in terms of someone who you can't go to and talk to.
1: He wasn't savvy enough to be quiet to the cops in Las Vegas when they questioned him. Oh, come on.
0: <laughs> Nola Baby, Kevin Conley. Well, to be so god-awful and have the coaching changes in the division, the Saints are so fortunate to get a lifeline at 2-5 and – so, this start to the season is necessary. Uh, I agree with the first half of this, in that, yeah, like you should feel confident if you're the Saints. At, like you said, you have a lifeline, and it's like all you have to do is come out and win a couple games, right? Like you can't erase the two and five start, but the way that everything has played out, the two and five start is not disqualifying you. So, all you have to do is say, we have a 10 game season ahead of us, and we need to finish one game better than two teams that you have a head-to-head matchup against. So, like, everything's in front of you. Like, like DA says that all the time, but it's true. You control your own destiny to an extent. Now, could the Saints technically beat the Bucs and finish with the same record and lose that tiebreaker? Yes. But that's really the only way. Because if you finish with the same record as the Falcons and you, and you win that second game against them, you win that tiebreaker. So you're in good shape there. So it's really just, like, you pretty much control your own destiny now. It's just a matter of going out and winning. And that's really all you can ask for at any point in the season. So it's a matter of whether the Saints can can get their head out of their ass, to be completely honest. No, we keep he-
1: hearing now, obviously, one game at a time, just win one game, forget about talking about the postseason. Yeah, I get it, but in the grand scheme of things, obviously everything that this team wanted to attain going into this year is still very much a, in front of them and, and attainable because of, how down
0: the NFC and the NFC South is currently. Brian Russell, who the hell gives players days off when they lose? Da is the loser here. I mean, I don't, I don't know about that. Well, maybe he knows the pulse of his team and how banged up they are too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, confidence is a it may, might not be a, a fragile thing, but if you if you don't give guys a day off when they in their one of two like outlets to get them I think you're you're gonna have a riot on your hands that's a good way to get fired that's a good way to lose a locker room is to is to just be like no guys we're showing up on Saturday and there's no and Tuesday
1: there's no day off either we're practicing
0: yeah I mean that's just your normal schedule right it's it's like you get a bye week it's like they're not going to show up every day on the bye week like that's just the deal I don't have a problem with with the players getting a day off because at the end of the day like the players need to need to go home and and figure out what they need to do to get better, right? Like the coaches can only do so much. And I would be surprised if DA took a day off, right? (laughs) I'm I'm sure, sure he's sleeping at the facility. Right. Like he's, he's trying to get this fixed. You know, that's one thing you could say about DA. And it's like, you know, it might not always be working, but he is always working. Like, you know, it's very much like the duck thing where he's like the calm on the surface, but like paddling underneath, like that's DA. And it's just, you know, it doesn't always resonate the way you want. But I don't think the issue is is him not working hard enough to any extent.
1: No, I, th- I think the problem is from fans uh, perspective is they don't they're not seeing him go off on anybody on the sidelines, go to any kind of tirade. And to them, that means a lack of passion. And I, I mean, I can understand to some
0: point, but it's not fair either. I think marvelous says, why are we so disappointed with the defense? The defense performed like this during the five game losing streak last season when the offense was stagnant. I'm not sure what that means, but yeah, I mean the defense wasn't great during that stretch either. You are you are correct. Um, part of it was the offense wasn't sustaining drives, right? In that Eagles game, I know Trevor Simeon threw a pick six. It was you know the the Cardinals game went very similarly to how the Eagles game went last year, where. At the late in the first half, you know, it's a competitive game. You're behind, but it's a competitive game. And then just pick six changes the entire equation. And you go in that second half and you never really felt like you were in it. Uh, and that's what happened um, on uh, on Thursday. And, you know, it's it's funny because that was the final game before they, they pulled the trigger to put Taysom Hill in there. I don't think that's what's going to happen this time. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's... The, the defense definitely wasn't holding up its end, um, but the offense made life as miserable as possible on them with, you know, two touchdowns allowed that they could no control over.
1: Hitting back on the defense, too, with we were, you know, praising, you know, Elante Taylor being one of the bright spots this year. I think also linebacker Pete Warner has been one of those guys, too. Uh, disappointing has been the transition from safety. I mean, the losing... You know Marcus Williams, along with Malcolm Jenkins, and replacing them with Marcus May and Taran Matthew didn't seem like it was going to be this huge drop off, and it just it hasn't worked out so far. It, it has not been a bright spot for this team. It has not. So To me, that I mean, that's why you know you talk about disappointing defense. We expected them to carry this team, and I think that's pretty general statement for everybody that was a Saints fan in the media. That this was going to be a defense defense first ball club. There was even the crazy notion that people were talking about dome patrol, you know, with, with the with this defense this year. And that that's why it falling flat right now has been such a disappointment. Uh, I can't even come up with another word for it, just because you know, the missed tackling, the lack of turnovers, uh, the lack of pressure. I think I said shoddy tackling, big plays. All of it all around, it just seems very disjointed. And I don't know if it's because a guy like Malcolm Jenks- Jenkins is gone and he was the key to that communication with the whole entire unit, not just the secondary.
0: No, I mean, it just hasn't clicked uh, one way or the other. So hopefully hopefully, DeMario Davis can preach and people will listen. <laughs> is it, is a, it too
1: many chefs in the kitchen, too, with, you know, you've got three defensive coordinators, that's, essentially. That's, you don't, I don't think, think so? that's
0: it? I, re- I really don't. I, like, again – you always have a secondary coach and a defensive line coach. It's not different. It's just a title. I don't like, I don't buy that at all. Like the defense has to be better, but it's not because you have too many people who are trying hard. If anything, it's that you're not deputizing them enough. And I think, you know, I'd like to see D.A. take a step back and let them do their jobs a little more than, than be so um, involved on the defensive side of the ball. Cause maybe that will help. Um, But I don't think it's because you have two defensive coordinators. Because again, it's like they're doing their job one way or the other. So I don't know, that's where I kind of am with that. Fair
1: enough. I mean, it just, to me, it's, I'm looking for any reason right now because it just blows my mind, honestly, that there's been such a huge drop-off in the play of the defense. And I don't know if it's as simple then as saying they just got
0: older. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think at a certain point, it might be that that they did just get older and that, Tyron doesn't have enough left in the tank. He can doesn't have enough left in the tank. It's crazy as that might be to say, you know, and DeMario and um, all these other guys. That's a question. Um, well, but, I
1: feel like DeMario's play hasn't
0: really dropped at all this year. We haven't seen him struggling. Yeah, I think, I think he's, he hasn't had the range that, I, that I, you're used to and you haven't seen him. You know, it's like there's a reason that Pete Warner is leading this team in tackles by a wide margin. And it's not because DeMario's getting there first and saying, here you go, take yeah. it." You know, it's I think that to an extent he's not getting he doesn't have the range that he did. And that's not to say that he can't still be a very effective middle linebacker, especially with Pete Warner next to him. But, you know, I don't I don't think this is peak to Mario that we're getting, you know, and 33 year old guy. You're not expecting him to be peak, but he has managed to to elude the the the, you know, drop off for so long that he kind of just assumed that he's going to be. That same guy forever, but at a certain point, you do start to lose a little bit, and I think I think you're starting to see that with Demario. But like he's always going to be the effort guy, he's always going to be the leader, and I think that kind of that that allows you to to uh, you know kind of figure that out.
1: Well, we need him to preach more and bring the juice. Yes, the days of the juice boys need to return. That's another one I know Saints fans were pissed off about is letting
0: Quan Alexander walk to the New York Jets. He wouldn't be playing this year either way, right? So I mean, like as you see Pete Werner playing, it's like it becomes more obvious why they were like, "Yeah, sorry Quan, we're not going to sign you to be the backup because that doesn't make sense." You go go find reps somewhere else, and that's what he did. Because this this Saints team knew what they had in Pete Werner, and they wanted to start him, and so that's, that's where we are.
1: Maybe I mean, maybe you can criticize you lost some some personality with a guy like Quan, like a like a guy with Chauncey Gardner Johnson. That might maybe that. Maybe that could be something to this defense this year is you don't have enough of that attitude. That's fair. Um, But I think that's it for me. You got anything else? No, I'm uh, ready to start uh, getting
0: ready to break down the Raiders. I'm I'm ready to start correcting myself from saying Oakland about 50 times in a row because that's what's going to happen. Las Vegas Raiders, the same way I keep saying San Diego Chargers, they don't exist anymore. The Oakland Raiders don't exist anymore. It is the Las Vegas Raiders. And they're coming into town. You got Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs and company. We're going to get into a lot more of that in the Friday morning podcast. Hopefully we can get a Raiders insider on to talk about that. So stay tuned for that later in the week. You've been listening to Inside Black and Gold brought to you by the Lamarck Automotive Complex. There must be a reason. And let's figure this thing out. All right. Two and five, but far from dead. Peace out.